0: Okay, it's been a it's been a while since well, since a lot of you have even heard my voice, but <clears throat> I I keep taking breaks when I basically don't have anything to talk about, and I don't like to talk just to talk, and so um, what I did is, you know, I'm kind of a researcher at heart, so I did a randomized control trial to see what people want to hear, and. So I wrote the same question to um, about eight people, and I wanted to see if there were any consistencies in what people wanted to hear. So I'm going to start with those things, and I got a lot of, I got a lot of really good things back. And so there was, there were two things that were on everybody's list, and so we'll start with one of those today, and that is the drug Ozempic. So everybody wants to know about it, or there's a lot of information out there about it. I think instead, people want to know what I think about it, and they want to know kind of what the deal is. Is it a fad? What how how does it work mechanistically? Um, you know, is this the new magic pill? So by now, you've you've probably heard of the term Ozempic. Let's just let's talk about what. Other drugs are considered to be the same thing, and I will use those interchangeably. So there is Ozempic, uh, also known as semaglutide, Wagovi, Manjaro, uh, Trizepatide, and they kind of keep coming out with more. And they are all slightly different. But by now, you you have probably heard of one of those because it's been extremely successful in helping people lose weight. So it's pretty impossible to not at least have heard of it by now. So, uh, I'd like to talk um, mechanistically about the drug, how it works, how it came onto the scene, what my thoughts are about it, if you care to know that. Okay, semiglutide is a peptide, it's a GLP1 agonist, and that it actually came onto the scene in about, I think it was 2016, maybe it was 2017, and it came onto the scene as a diabetes drug management because it helps at the cellular level. It uh, changes some hormones going on, which I'll get into, but but basically it helps at the beta cell level and and that helps keep insulin levels regulated and blood sugar levels regulated. And so therefore it came out as a diabetes medication. So as a side effect though, people were losing a ton of weight. And so all of a sudden conversation started to happen around, well, what about just using this as a non-diabetic, as a pre-diabetic, or just as somebody who wants to lose some weight? So as far as the technical level of this, it's I already said it's a GLP one agonist, it's a peptide. All forms of it, whether it's Wagovi, semiglutide, manjaro, trisepatide, all forms of it are receptor agonists, and uh, they are called a a glucagon peptide 1 or a GLP-1 agonist. So they're in a a class of drugs that helps control blood sugars. So essentially GLP-1 agonists, they mimic a hormone in the body that makes you feel full. And at the same time, it slows down gastric emptying so that you basically feel fuller for longer. So you can see right there where people are going to lose weight. They're not feeling as hungry. And when they do eat, they can't eat as much and they feel fuller for longer. So it all it, people are just basically eating less because they're on it. I do want to go through the slight variations of them. Uh, I'm not totally sure why, but I think it's important to know that they were all FDA approved for slightly different reasons. So Wagovi is usually only given at a higher dose and that was approved for obesity management. So that that one is is approved for as, as like a weight loss drug. Semiglutide was approved to titrate up slowly and get to a max dosage over four to six months. And that one was approved for diabetes management. So they have very slight different mechanisms. One is more for weight loss and then one is more for diabetes control. Uh, Manjaro is the combination of both of those things. So Manjaro is a combination of a GLP-1 and a GIP, uh, both peptides that help with diabetes management and obesity management. Okay, so back back to how it works. So your GI tract has a massive number of nerves and hormones that communicate directly to our brain which is basically like the mechanism of of emotional eating or celebratory eating. Because there is such a direct connection between our stomach and our brain. When we feel emotions, we want to eat. When wh- Whether those are, are high good emotions or low bad emotions, uh, we, we tend to feel it in our stomach that we we want to eat. Now, some people actually feel like they cannot eat. So some people feel like when they are emotional or overly emotional, there's no chance they're gonna eat. Other people can't stop eating. But either way, there is a gut-brain connection going on there. And so our gut is releasing those neurotransmitters. And that is why you feel maybe after you eat sugar, you feel like happier for like 10 seconds. So there are so many gut-brain connections. And there's a straight line from the gut to the brain in that, that we have to remember that anything in your gut is directly affecting your brain one way or another, no matter what it is. So what that means is it's working on the gut to decrease the amount of that hunger hormone, and we just aren't feeling as as hungry anymore. And then at the same time, like I said, it's slowing down gastric emptying, and so there's more food in there for longer, so we feel more full longer. I'm repeating myself, but I'm, I need to get it. So as far as statistics go, in the first year of a diabetic taking this GLP-1 drug, whichever one they chose, they're losing up upwards of 20 to 25% of their original body weight. Like that's amazing. So mechanistically, it's not doing anything that would be considered a miracle. It's making you feel full and therefore they're eating less. So that being said, I need to remind you that you can still actually eat even when you're full. And you guys all know that. You've all had uh, Thanksgiving dinners where you just keep eating. You're, You're full and you can keep eating. So those people that didn't see success around this, is because they they were still consuming more food, even though they were not listening to their body and they're full. So, with that, I always recommend to people to uh, still follow a dietary restrictive model alongside of this, or at least work with a mental health practitioner uh, to work through some eating issues that you might ha- might have, uh, just to make sure that this is successful. So, cool, right? We have something to help diabetics and pre-diabetics or start to reverse this debilitating disease. Well, so what happened though, in the last uh, year and a half or so, Hollywood caught on and just everybody started buying it just to to lose weight or the little bit of weight that they may have wanted to lose. And then boom, there was a shortage. And that of course made it more expensive for the other 99.9% of us that are maybe not multimillionaires taking taking it for like a quick fix. Um, And so then there was a shortage. And that shortage brought uh, prices up for people who did need it, which was kind of a bummer. We do have some studies out there that are showing that people who are not pre-diabetic and or diabetic, who are taking it as a weight loss uh, management tool to lose, let's say, 10, 15, 20 pounds... Those studies are showing that people do lose that weight, but when they go off of it, apparently the hunger is pretty intense. They they gain it all back, and apparently, and then some. And this is because when you go off of it, that hunger is, is like I said, said to be pretty intense, and most people just can't fight that hunger monster that they haven't had to fight. And that seems fairly fairly obvious, right? You You were eating too much, then you ate less you lost weight, you go off of the drug, you start eating more and you're back to where you started. All of that is because metabolically you didn't really need the drug to help you with your insulin sensitivity. You're simply using it as an appetite suppressant. Um, Okay, more, anything else that I haven't covered? Um, So I've, I've got about six clients on it now, all at different stages. And I've talked to a few more people on it. And they, it's kind of all over the board as far as how they feel. So many people, though, can't tolerate semiglutide because the side effects are basically nausea, which means a lot of people are also taking like Zofran to help with that. And then there's also some people who are experiencing headaches as well as constipation, which again makes people go on more medications to deal with the side effects of this one. And that can get frustrating and, and, and almost not worth it. There are people, like I said, who get so nauseous that they just can't stay on it. And so they they go off of it to try something else. And then I have other people who are like, I don't feel anything. I don't notice anything. The only thing that they notice is that their food noise is down. Uh, food noise in the literature basically means that you, that that noise in your in your head that most people have, some people have it, you know, loud and incessant that you are hungry or always hungry or always thinking about food. That's considered food noise. And so most people, though, have said that that is diminished with going on the medication. Um, Another thing is cost. So a large portion of the population cannot afford it because it's usually usually not covered by insurance unless you do have diabetes. And even then, it's only covered partially. So it's running somewhere between $700 and $1,100 a month out of pocket. And so you you've got to be really committed to to this whole thing financially as well I do hope that they can get that under control though because I think that it can be great for the people who do need it um, I think it should be covered we have a diabetes and obesity issue and this seems to be um, pretty helpful in managing those two things and I think that it needs to be available to to the people that that do need it so I guess that leads me to how I feel about it. Um, I feel two very different things. Apparently, uh, I've learned over the few years two opposing things can be true. And this is, this is one of those where I'm all for it and I am totally against it at the same time. And that is only different based on who's, who's taking it. I, I want people to, who need it to be able to get it. I want them to be able to get it at an affordable price and i want them to be able to get their life back with with something like this because sometimes all people need is some hope and this is also just giving some people hope it quiets that food noise that they've been battling for you know 20 30 40 years so sometimes all people need is a little bit of hope and and they can get over um, the plateau that that they've been running into for years and years uh, on the on the flip side of things people that need to lose 10-15 pounds or so are metabolically quote-unquote fine, um, which means they aren't pre-diabetic or diabetic, I I wouldn't advise it. Um, people are gaining the weight back and pretty quickly because it is only 10 or 15 pounds, they're gaining it back within the first six months. And so really you're back to where you started. And um, and you know, you've know you taken some of that supply. We do have a supply issue for the people who do need it. So that is my take. Uh, if you have any questions on any of those things, you can go ahead and shoot me an email, uh, jen at thekeyacademy.com. I am going to do another one here. Um, that ooh, I'm not going to tell you, but it was consistent across all eight people that I asked in my randomized control trial. And so I'm going to go into that one next. Um, thank you so much for listening.